Hey everybody, James Coe here from DirecTV's Fantasy Zone. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Eyes peeled, everyone. Welcome to the Full 10 Yards Fantasy Football Podcast. And welcome to the latest edition of the Full 10 Yards Fantasy Podcast. You are joined as ever by me, your host David, and we've got in the room James and Adil. James, how are you doing? Uh, um, well, as you'd expect with a three-week-old baby. Um, slightly tired at times, slightly stressed at times, but also rather full in the heart a lot of the time. Um, but yeah, nice, nice to have a slight distraction, be able to talk about football. So uh, yeah, I'm happy to be back for a little bit. Great stuff. And I was, I was going to say before that you were spamming us with with baby photos, but I think spamming is is the wrong word. I think gracing is the uh, <laughs> is the uh, is the correct word to use there. So it's amazing to realize you don't realize how you know you're actually quite decent at photography until you have a baby. I was going to say that first one you sent was very, uh, very much out of a catalogue style. It was uh, very, it was very uh, like. I, 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 I confess to having no knowledge or particular skill at filters or any of that stuff. I literally am just a point and click kind of person. But one or two of them, have, I've, I like did one or two things, and it, they've just come out so good. It's like, right, that's going on the Christmas letter, that's going on the card, that's going in some kind of album, and that's going to all the people in the family that I care about. Um, so if you're any of James's family that is listening that does not receive one of these photos in the next few weeks, um, <laughs> sorry. Um, how, how many of my family play fantasy? Oh, that would be two. <laughs> They're both in this house. <laughs> well, Better great. Be up with a dumb sleeper account soon. <laughs> great stuff. And Adil, how are you doing? I'm looking forward to the fantasy playoffs for um, uh, all of our listeners. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, playoff time, so it's it's the meaningful time. We were just talking off air about certain toilet bowls and, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, the most exciting time of the year for fantasy, of course. So week 14 has already begun, and we had the Super Bowl uh, 53 rematch between the New England Patriots and the Los Angeles Rams. And of course, the the last time these two teams met, well, the, in the Super Bowl, of course, it was a, uh, a low-scoring defensive affair. But uh, it was a little bit more one-sided in this one as the Los Angeles Rams got their revenge. So, Adil, you you stayed up and watched this one. Uh, do you want to talk us through it a little bit? This game was the breakout for Carmakers. He it did was, yeah. incredibly well. Um, so, just highlighted by the, his snap count in this game was. 79% which I think there was a stat that I saw one of uh, the other analysts put out I think the most a player had got from that backfield was around 60 something percent in any of the games the rest of the season yeah the fact yeah. that he snapped the ball so much and he was gashing them for yards and yards and I think the first three rushes were like 20 something yards or something it was it was incredible how bad the patriots defense was against rushing uh, against cam Akers. but 
the um, the offensive strategy was quite good because they played a lot of two tight end sets. So they just blocked, blocked really well. The wide receivers, Bobby Woods and Cooper Cup, they both blocked reasonably well as well. So they just created hole after hole. And it wasn't that, he wasn't even getting touched at times. Like before, like, getting to the line of scrimmage he just wasn't getting touched and he was just going okay i'm going and i'm really going and i'm really going and he had himself an absolute day so dynasty owners going to be really happy with the likes of uh cam Akers, uh in the especially with next week who have they got the jets yikes <laughs> so the, the stat gets better with the snap count for rushes when you consider say acres had 29 carries then after that, you had Jared Goff on four, Daryl Henderson on two, and Robert Woods had the only other carry. So when you consider that backfield, it's Henderson, Brown, and Akers. And when you consider that apart from Akers, the other two combined for two touches, that's how heavy Akers' usage was. And that, you know, near enough six yards to carry as well on 29 carries. I mean, that, that, that's gashing at its finest. Yeah, and there was the, the the early warning signs, if you like, last week about Cam Akers and his and his increased usage in in this offense. And of course, it's one of those where we, we've seen Darrell Henderson have those games. We've seen Malcolm Brown have those games this season. So it's nice to see back to back games for for Cam Akers to to have the, this amount of volume because it shows now that the, the the Rams are committed to it. And that did show with the draft capital that they invested into him. It did show that they were uh, passionate about doing it. And obviously, the, the Todd Gurley usage that we've in the past shows that the Rams can be that team that has that one running back that, that does do it all in the offense. So yeah, Cam Akers, I know his his ownership in leagues was a little bit over the 50% threshold that we that we do like, but he was featured in the, the hype train article earlier in the week because we saw those signs last week. So it's it's so important. It's so great to be rewarded for for what we've invested into him because He's going to be great, and if he can get this, well, he's not going to get thirty-one touches every week. That's um, that's that's too many for for a running back. But um, if he can certainly be gamed, planned this this much into games, then um, that's fantastic. And then on top of that, the second like standout performance that I saw in this game was the Rams' defense. They completely and utterly dominated Cam Newton to the point that he got sat down and Jarrett Stidham came in. But when you look at the stats over the game, they got six sacks. Although I would like to query why there wasn't a seventh given. There was a fourth and short play, I think at the end of the first half or something like that, that Cam was tackled for a loss. So turnover and downs inside the five. They didn't give it as a sack. Normally if a quarterback is tackled for a loss... It's a sack automatically. Oh, was it one of those ones where he'd started to commit to the run or? He, um, yeah, I just don't know. But, but sometimes when a quarterback scrambles, like yeah. uh, behind the, uh, the line of scrimmage, they still give a sack. So yeah. I was intrigued as to why. Obviously, a, a, a tiny little bit of bias here being a Rams DST owner. <laughs> uh, with, a, with a two point premium for sacks. So. 
I think it's like the uh, the dubious goal panel that get to decide uh, who, who actually scored the goal in uh, in in our version of football, if you like. So, but that's that's the kind of thing that we need to be looking out for because that is the kind of thing that can be stat corrected um, later yeah. in the week and it can change games. And that's that's the, so such exciting thing about fantasy football is that you can think you've won. Well, I suppose that the stat will have changed um, by the time the games get played out on on Monday night. But yeah, watch out for a stat correction there because, like you say, Adel, there's um, if if you're expecting a stat. Did you hear about the guy a couple of weeks ago who he'd won a million dollars on DraftKings? He celebrated by taking his dog for a walk, and when he got back, uh, there'd been a stat correction, and he'd. Uh, I think he'd won about three three k instead. So uh, obviously yeah. nice, but when you'd been told that you'd won a million, not great. But completely off topic, <laughs> Adil, the the wide receivers there. So we didn't have anyone in the game over fifty yards. Um, Nikhil Harry with with forty nine yards being the highest. So was this a recipe of the fact that the Rams D was so good and that the the Rams necessarily didn't need to throw the football themselves? I think Jared Goff didn't look good. He didn't look good when he was passing the ball. And that, and because the run game was running, it was so good. They just, there was a couple of instances in the second half when they were chewing the clock. And I think they were third and five. And they said, okay, we're just going to hand the ball off. Yeah. I think we can actually get these five yards. They didn't, but they were just, they were keeping out of Jared Goff's hands. We're not even going to let him try and make a mistake. And you see by the stat line, 16 completions of 25 attempts, 137 yards, the touchdown. Okay, the interception wasn't good either. It was a pass to Robert Woods, which was low, which wasn't very good. That The ball got almost like stripped whilst he was trying to catch the ball because it was at his toes. It just was, there were inaccurate throws at times. And also, so in the league that I have, the Rams DSC, I have Robert Woods and I started him because you're going to start him. And he disappointed. So I think all of the wide receivers that you would have started, so actually Cup and Woods were the only ones that you'd really start in this game, they disappointed. The only player that re, the only offensive player that did anything of sort in this game was Cam Akers. Everybody else was irrelevant. And at the end of the day, Sean McVay does not care about your fantasy football team. So the Rams, they need to win games. And Sean McVay, the offensive mastermind that he is, is going to do whatever it takes to to win those games. And the Rams now move to, to nine and four, sat atop of the NFC West. And New England, obviously, they had that absolutely dominant performance against the, the Chargers last weekend, blowing them out 45 to nothing. And there was, there was talks about them being back in the playoff hunt, but... I think it's six and seven now uh, with the Dolphins and the the Bills in their, their own division, especially uh, where they're at. I think it will be a very, very tall order for them there. So the Rams finally get their revenge on New England after that Super Bowl defeat and move to nine and four. So we head into the weekend and plenty more fantasy football to come. So for many of you, it will be the first weekend of the playoffs. So more important than ever that we're getting those lineups right so that we win our matchups. So, James, do you want to talk us through your first fantasy spotlight for the weekend, please? So, <laughs> I was originally trying to pick a game that, you know, involved 
teams that you know I don't necessarily talk about. And then I ended up picking the Eagles again by mistake. But, um, <laughs> Dallas got it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think there's but there was a legit reason why I wanted to talk about. It. So it's the Saints at the Eagles and. Obviously, you know, it's been well documented, well talked about. You don't need me to tell you that Carson Wentz has been atrocious. And he's now been benched and um, Jalen Hurts is going to be starting. I was just having to check whether it was first time because the only time I've seen his name has been in the loser league, um, which is particularly annoyed the wife because she was riding him all the way through to the playoffs. And now so look so what don't, happened. Don't start him this weekend. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, it, 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 put it this way, his projected point total went from 2.8 to 24.7 um, by being named starter. So that was, um, you know, an instant change. But yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see how that dynamic goes. We've only got a very little bit of data from, you know, all these slight standouts and, you know, coming in last week. So it feels very much like you almost have to reset your opinion on most of the Eagles roster which makes it very dangerous playing any of them this week. The only person that I feel comfortable with is probably, well, let's, so let's go through it. You don't want to be risking Jalen Ragel yet, even though I suspect he will probably be the one wide receiver who will break out. Travis Fulgham is now be- is now um, waiver wire fodder because he's had consecutive games where he's just done very little to nothing. Dallas Goddard and Zacherts are both in the squad together, but we've not yet really got any understanding of which one um, Hertz is going to prefer, which makes it again quite dicey. I still, I will always say I like Dallas Goddard just because, a, I, I've run up that hill, my flag is in there, and I will die on that hill like like I have done all season. But that was a lot of that was because of you know how good he was in terms of the draft value. I will say that was the reason why I fell in love. Um, so effectively, you're left with Miles Sanders being the one guy who you feel pretty comfortable being able to play. But then he's been having sort of an up and down time of things, albeit obviously a lot due to injury, which thankfully he doesn't have an injury designation this week. So, but he's been much maligned in sort of the Twitter community saying that, you know, you, you keep ruining my fantasy team and so on and so forth. This may be one of those games where you feel like, you know what? I can probably trust you, which is famous last words, I'm sure. Um, especially when you consider Jalen Hurts has running value of his own. So, yeah, it's it's very much could be a one of those weeks where if you have the luxury of being able to sit your Eagles and see what develops, brilliant. Uh, if not, then you know it's uh, close your eyes and pray. That's all I'll say. For the Saints, things are a little bit more straightforward. They've not actually had that much of a down drop since Taysom Hill has been the starter. And with Drew Brees not looking like he's going to come back from multiple fractured ribs anytime soon, um, you can still stick with him, really. Um, Michael Thomas is questionable going into the game once again, um, this time with an ankle injury, and was limited on Thursday, but... It looks like he probably will be available. They're saying they're not particularly worried about it. And they think by the end of today, he probably won't have an injury designation. So all systems go there. He's finally been picking up. He seems to have a reasonable connection with Hill, who sort of understands he's a top wide receiver still. Yes, he's had his problems this season, but he's still a top wide receiver and you can still use him absolutely fine. Um, Latavius Murray has a slight um well, he has another questionable tag because he was limited with a knee injury, which 
makes you feel a bit more that Alvin Kamara might be in for a higher workload than he even normally gets, to be honest. Murray's been actually doing quite a decent job in the last few weeks, taking a little bit of the load off, especially while Kamara's had his own potential health issues. But we're now at that point in the season where the Saints are going to try and lock up the bite and the number one overall seed in um, the conference. So I suspect that you know the Kamara and Thomas show is going to be in full flow. And the only other person to note is going to be Jared Cook because the Eagles, you know, have been terrible against a lot of things, but tight ends is another one. So I feel like he's going to be another decent shout as well this week. It might be the last week that you feel comfortable being able to play him. A lot of the a lot of the um, fantasy sites actually have him at quite a low projection this week, even though he has a plus matchup, um, which I would take a lot of the projected scores this week with a pinch of salt because I don't think they've really been corrected for a lot of, you know, reality basically. Yeah. So it's just a general warning overall, I think. But yeah, the, the game should really be a Saints win. But with Hurts getting his feet under the table properly, you really can't rule out the Eagles actually having a good slam at this. So I actually think this could be quite high scoring. But what do you two think? Yeah, and there's the, there the talk that, that Drew Brees could be back for this one. And I think the Saints... Uh, top to bottom, their roster is so stacked that I think they will assume that they're going to beat the, the Eagles with the state that they're in at the moment, especially with the, the new quarterback coming in. And we're going to see Hertz versus Hill. So, yeah, it's, it's it, I, I don't think we're going to see Breeze again this week. And obviously, that, that means another Taysom Hill week. And it's going to be a comfortable win. So, that they're, they're going to rely... On the, on the running backs, Latavius Murray has done a, a tremendous job in, in rushing the ball. And we, we saw this with, with Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara a couple of years ago. The, the, the two could both be top 10 fantasy running backs because of the, the way that they were used differently in the offense and that support in Michael Thomas as, as a top wide receiver as well. So obviously Drew Brees has, has taken a bit of a drop off since then, but there's, there's still so much fantasy potential for this team. And I really like the Saints DST this weekend as well. So Jalen Hurts, obviously he's coming in, he's going to get given the, the majority of the throws for the, for the first time in his career. And I think he's going to have a pick or two in his, in his pocket. So uh, the Saints DST is a nice play as well, because they're really great against the run as well. And um, Sanders, I'm not feeling comfortable about because of, of how good the, the Saints running defense is. So it's just not a good day at all, really, for the for the Eagles. Seventy six yards per game on the ground is all they are giving up. It's second in the league. It is not going to be an easy day at all for the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm really struggling to see if Miles Sanders is actually startable for a lot of your, for a lot of your teams because the last three weeks, if you look at Half point PPR, 3.1, 5.2, 7. 7.6. I feel we, we had this this earlier on when the Eagles had the Steelers and we said, honestly, even though he drafted him in the first two rounds, you don't start Sanders because it's the Steelers run DST. And then he went off on and had like a 60-yard touchdown. And it was he then did nothing else all day, but the 60-yard touchdown meant that he was about you know running back 18 on the week or something. And it was like you, and if you played him, you weren't necessarily disappointed. And it maybe has an air of that. It's just one of those, how much are the Eagles going to want to trust Hertz's arm out the gate in this game when, yes, he needs to gain the chemistry with everybody, but I just feel they're going to you know, mix it about a little bit. 
But then that also means that Sanders really needs targets, and that might be where there's a bit of a downfall. Yeah, but we said last week that they had to give Sanders the ball against the, the Green Bay running defence because that is notoriously bad, and to support Carson Wentz, whose confidence is shot. And they, they seemingly didn't. They just abandoned the run game, tried to get Carson to throw, abandoned that, and got Jalen Hurts in the game, who ironically then threw a, an absolutely glorious touchdown pass. But um, that's, that's by the by. So maybe, maybe just with the Eagles, you just have to go reverse psychology. So when you think it's, a, it's an absolutely perfect matchup, you've got to go for the opposite. So maybe maybe the Sanders call is right because last week it was perfect for him and they didn't go for it. So maybe yeah. this week where it's completely stacked against him, they'll run him into the ground. So maybe maybe there's some reverse psyche going on in the Eagles. Right, I mean, so... let's be honest, they're in tank division. Yeah, our advice is start Miles Sanders everywhere you've got him. And <laughs> if he flops, we'll just delete all of our social media accounts. So, um... <laughs> so right, so... I have a baby. I have bigger noises to have to drown out. <laughs> Anything uh, else? Uh... That... Oh, just on the um, thing about the uh, New Orleans running backs that he's mentioned about both running backs being an RB1 on the week. That's happened once this season, week four. If you look at the rest of the weeks, it's been pretty much Alvin Kamara, the person, except for week 12, which was Latavius's big week um, that Kamara didn't actually do well in. So fingers crossed for Kamara owners, me being one. Um, Kamara is has a really good day, but um, you don't know with the um, with their defense with the uh, with the Eagles because they've had games where they're just sometimes just really stout and just stop a lot of play. They've got some pieces on that defense, and like you say, it's just impossible to predict. And their offense is putting them in um, difficult positions every now and again. So. But I'm still liking Alvin Kamara. I think even though we've talked about his lack of targets, his lack of reception since Taysom Hill's been been in the in the fray, he, you can't drop Alvin Kamara. I, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. You, I agree. Yeah, you paid a first-round pick for him, and he, he's got that big playability. Just as he did against the Falcons, it was a difficult play for him against the Falcons, but again, he... All it takes is, is one big play for him and he's, he's off to the races and he will salvage your fantasy game. So anything else to add on the Eagles and the Saints before we move on to you, Adolf? Okay, take it away, please. Who have you got? So game one of my choices for the week is the Houston Texans at the Chicago Bears on Sunday, 1pm Eastern, so 6pm UK time. So just looking at the injuries, first of all, Alan Robinson was looking like he was going to be questionable going into the into the game. But today he did get a full practice in. So he has not got an injury tag going into the weekend. So all systems go, which is really good. The worry for um, the Chicago Bears actually is Cleo Mack. He was limited. He's been limited uh Day to day, he's being considered really questionable for this game, so that ha- that'll have an impact on how good the Bears' defense actually is. Even though they are pretty damn good, it will have an impact because he's such a destructive player. Um, so uh, on the Texan side of the ball, they haven't released their friday injury report as as of when we're recording but uh brandon cooks was limited in practice with a neck and a foot injury so two opposite sides of the body 
Um, and QQQT was also limited with a knee. Um, I'll get onto the uh, position by position straight after this. So we'll uh, discuss those in a second. Now, looking at the QBs, so Mitch Trubisky last week was in a plus matchup. He posted tw 26 completions on 34 uh, attempts, 267 yards for a touchdown and no interception. Those were solid numbers, but it wasn't you for a starting quarterback in fantasy. You're not getting the level of points that you want from a starting quarterback. So he's in another plus matchup this week, 21st rank. Passing defense when you come when you look at the passing yards, but unfortunately, I don't see him getting that high echelon of points that you're looking in a um, in a playoff matchup. So I think you're going to have to look to well, somebody else on your roster, somebody else for a streaming option. Um, there is another guy on this roster who is going to put up some big numbers, I reckon. So I'll get to him in a minute. Um, Deshaun Watson. I see him as a start, even though the Chicago Bears is a difficult matchup. So now, just out of interest to you guys, where do you think the Chicago Bears defense ranks when it comes to yardage in pass and run? Where do they rank in the league? I think in the top 10 in both, but I don't think they're number one in either. Um, I'd sort of, I'd, I kind of hazard a guess at four and six. For yardage, 17th for both. Ouch. Which is really surprising. But, and I'll put the big butt out here, 17.6 points per game to the quarterback position is what the Chicago defense has given up, which is ninth in the league. So the yardage doesn't always necessarily turn into actual points, points yeah. for, the, for the quarterback. Um, if you look at Deshaun Watson himself, he's thrown for 300 plus yards in seven games this season. He performed really well, considering how difficult the Colts defense is last week. He scored 19.44 points. So you're going to roll with him, even without Will Fuller being around due to the PED suspension. His floor is pretty high for a quarterback. The lowest he scored is 14 points in a given week. And he's thrown a touchdown in all but one game this season. Don't be tempted, guys and girls, to get cute and pick somebody off waivers and play them ahead just because you know, just because he is in a matchup which is not plus, he's going to perform just because of how good of a player and how good of a season he is having. Don't be tempted, plug him in. Yeah, and he'll, he'll do it on his feet if he doesn't do it through the air. That's the key thing with with Deshaun. Yeah. Uh, now looking at the running backs. David Montgomery is going to eat this week. Houston has the second worst defense for rushing yards in the league, averaging the opposition gets 150 rushing yards per game. So he is going to run all over this poor defense. And if you look at since he's come back from injury in the last two games, Half PPR, 22.8 points, 23.1 points. Against Green Bay, he had 11 rushes for 103 yards. And against Detroit, he had 17 for 72. Highly efficient on the ground. So he may have been disappointing up to now. And if you're lucky enough to have gotten to the playoffs, carrying that dead weight per se, he's going to have a real fun time this week. And you look who he's got next week as well. Minnesota, 
wrestler plus matchup as well so yeah. like he, he's gonna be he, oh and in finals week you've got jacksonville the third worst yeah, defense in, yeah so if you manage to get that far he, you're gonna ride him hopefully to a championship and enjoy it while it talked about it in a few weeks ago when on one of them when we were sort of getting ready for the playoffs one of my other brief cameos before baby happened saying that david montgomery has such a good playoff matchup that he's one you want to trade for because people don't value him didn't value him early in the season and anyone who heeded that advice is being paid at the moment and you say i think people are starting to believe which is Dangerous, but still, it's it's nice to see something like that actually coming true. And then looking at the Texans, David Johnson, I would consider him a low-end RB2. He's if another he player, if he plays, but uh, another player that has let down fantasy owners in 2020. He's only broken into the top 10 once this season, top 12 three times, but it's always been at the bottom end of that RB1 picture. It's never blowing anybody away he's difficult to put in to any other thing than just an rb2 he's going to score about 10 points in half point ppr don't forget akeem hicks is on the lineup for chicago and he is the run stuffer he stops a lot and i think houston is just gonna have to throw the ball a lot because they're gonna get gashed on defense when they're going to be ran on so much so they're going to be playing catch up and just having to throw it a lot so David Johnson he's he's a conservative kind of okay I'm going to get a certain amount of points but don't think he's going to be an RB1 in the week um, wide receivers Alan Robinson he's now fit so you're starting him I don't think you need to consider anything else about that um, the other two wide receivers um, that I would consider even looking at but I'm saying sitting both is Donnell Mooney and Anthony Miller. They're incredibly difficult to trust and they get targeted quite a lot per game. They get five or six targets a game each, but it doesn't translate into points, unfortunately for them. So I wouldn't even uh, bother looking at them. Houston receivers, uh, Brandon Cooks, providing he starts, start him is going to be a low-end wide receiver too. And... Um, if you look at last week's targets for the three wide receivers, nine for Kiki Kuti, seven for Chad Hansen, and eight for Brandon Cooks, the targets are going to have to go somewhere. So I think the guys are going to get a reasonable amount. And I think Chad Hansen may be a good DFS play just because he's going to be really cheap. Yeah. And he may get... A, if, if he repeats it again and gets the same level of targets and number of receptions, perfect. Yeah, 100-yard game and a touchdown for him last week. So Exactly. So, um, Tight ends, I'm not starting anybody in this game. Jimmy Graham, he's goosed two of the three last games. To be Yeah, so just avoid it at all costs. Nobody's worth it as far as I'm concerned. I think the changing of the guard from Graham to Cole Komet has happened now. I think I think Komet's had his initiation period and he's, I think he is now the starter both for blocking and for receiving. And I think Jimmy Graham is now being faded out. So, And I've seen that in a lot of places as well, that people say seeing that. Um, but yeah, I agree. You don't want to be starting Komet just yet. I think he's probably one for next season. Um, well, he has but, got a couple of nice playoff matchups. 
it's it's tempting if you are really struggling at tight end and he is out on the waivers. He is definitely one to target if you really are in the mire. I mean, looking at the matchups over the playoff time, I would rather have him than Dallas Goddard. And there's a painful phrase for me. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, looking at defense, I'm not looking to either of them from a scoring defense point of view. Chicago may be a difficult defense to play against, but they don't tend to get the number of fantasy points that you want. Okay, so then we head over to mine and sticking with the AFC South theme, I am going to go for the divisional matchup against the Tennessee Titans and the Jacksonville Jaguars. So Jaguars, they pushed the Vikings all the way last week and over time. Uh, Dan Bailey has a lot to to answer for there in Minnesota after last week's performance, but uh, the Minnesota Vikings did just eke out the win and the Jags were looking like they were going to get their top seed in the number overall number one overall pick race for for a little while and that as the as the jets uh, push the raiders all the way but um, the jets still come away winless but the jaguars yes yeah, still sat on one win and um still in the hunt i think they they do get if the jets and the jags finish on the same amount of wins i think the jags do get the number one overall pick due to strength of schedule or is it coming yeah, strength of schedule it's the easiest the team who had the easiest strength of schedule gets the one gets the number one overall and the jags have, based on their opponents so unless basically every team that the jags plays win out and all of the teams the jets play lose out it basically goes to it'll go to the jags fit to tie I still swear that game. The, the Jags were just watching the Jets game, and if they and if the Jets if the Jets had pulled out the win, they were going to go for it as well. Yeah, it, it, it was like the red zone flipping between the two, watching them go on. But um, the Tennessee Titans, on the other hand, eight and four, firmly in the, the driving seat in the the race for the division. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts, of course, pushing them all the way, and I can't see anything other than a Tennessee Titans victory in this one. However, the, the the Browns did did beat them last week, but they did show promise in the the second half um, with Cleveland getting so far up at halftime and then uh, nearly nearly throwing it away. But the Titans, I was going to say it's Derrick Henry time, and Derrick Henry obviously being famed for his games against Jacksonville, but not in Jacksonville. So Derrick Henry is he was born um, twenty five miles away from from Jacksonville, so it's his pretty much his, his hometown. And the four games that he has had at TIAA Bankfield, a really catchy name there, he's had 13 yards, 92, 57, and 44 yards on the ground in each of those four games, which is surprising because Derek Henry and games, big games against the Jaguars are synonymous, but they are all in Nashville. They're all in Tennessee. Obviously, we um, remember that the, the 66 touched 66 yard touchdown reception they had in 2017 and the the 99 yard run in 2018 obviously where um <laughs> yeah yeah we, we know the one um but that they they all happened in nashville i'm not going to look too much into that um i don't believe that that derrick henry gets nervous playing in his hometown or, or those kind of things i think it is just coincidence and against this jacksonville team he is gonna go ham so derrick henry it's not even a question. Even last week, it was against a good Cleveland defense, and the, the game script got out of hand of them very quickly. Derek Henry he didn't bust, but he he didn't score as many points as it as he might have done. But this week, he is a one hundred percent start. As is Ryan Tannehill. 
So the Jags give up the third most points to the fantasy quarterback. So Ryan Tannehill, we are absolutely starting. He loves working off that play action from Derek Henry. And of course, um, a couple of weeks ago, he got that rushing touchdown because of the the threat that, that Derek Henry brings. And at the wide receiver position, AJ Brown is currently um, questionable with an ankle injury, although he did return to practice today, which is encouraging for fantasy owners that he that he will play in this one. Uh, Corey Davis as well is an absolute must start. Had a breakout game last week, but he has been so consistent all season long, especially in the PPR leagues. He's not been anybody to write home about until the last couple of weeks, but he's, um, he's certainly been really, really consistent. So I'm starting both AJ Brown and Corey Davis in this one. Adam Humphreys moved to IR earlier in the week, so he's been out for a, for a few weeks now with his concussion that he sustained, but he, he has been moved to IR, which is a worry for him. So best wishes for him and hope he can come back soon. And then tight end position. So it's a really, really favourable matchup here. So I, I was going to say... Obviously, Johnny Smith sat out last week and everyone rushed to the waiver wire to pick up Ferkser, but then uh, Pruitt came along and, and broke the, the hearts of mm. fantasy owners, especially Dave Moore, to, um, to to mess up that bet that he had on. But yeah, Johnny Smith, he, he's not going to get the targets, but um, he, he, he could well be in for, for a touchdown. He did have a good game against Jacksonville earlier on in the season. Uh, Every Titan that you've got in this game, basically, Jags are just terrible. And that includes the Titans defense, which is missing a couple of pieces, which isn't particularly great either. I am starting those. And then on the opposite side of the ball, Minshew Mania is well and truly over. Then came Luton Mania, which uh, didn't quite last as long. And now Glennon is in the the hot seat as the Jags look to get in the, the Trevor Lawrence race. So James Robinson... We're going to start him. He's He's been fantastic this season. He's been such an unsung fantasy hero. Um, and that's because he's come out of the draft undrafted. He's been picked up as an undrafted free agent and he's come in and he's dominated. But the Titans are giving up a lot of points to the, to the running back position in fantasy, the fifth most points. So he is a definite start in this one. If you're desperate in a super flex league, I, I would I would be tempted to start Glennon as well. So the Titans do give up quite a few points to their to the fantasy quarterback position. Although you don't feel good about it, and I perhaps wouldn't in shallower non super flex leagues. At the wide receiver position, so uh, Lavisca Chanel had that touchdown early on, and I, I tipped him to have a good game because earlier on in the season he was being used on the ground through the air. He's looked really good when they're using him like that. So if they can get him more touches of the ball, both on the ground and through the air, I think Lavisca is a decent play. Uh, DJ Chark, I've not seen him on any injury reports, even though he's been battling of late. So DJ Chark, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go for it. Glenn's gonna gonna have to throw the ball to someone, so we're gonna go, and um, then we're looking at your likes of Keelan Coles and Colin Colin Johnson. Colin Johnson's the guy that I was considering maybe is yeah. playing a little bit well because you look at the last two games, eight point six points half in half point and seventeen point six. So there may be just because of who's at quarterback at the moment and DJ Chark getting the best cornerback Average, yeah so he may just be the guy that okay he's more open so we're gonna to go towards him yeah might nice. as well trial your assets while you've got them and yeah. to, be, to be honest they said i think the coaching staff doug Murray and everyone said early on in the season that they were really loving colin johnson just because of how big his frame is 
and he is a different threat to a lot of to their other receivers. Essentially, he's kind of the the bigger body, able to go and contest much better. Um, I think Chark's a bit more of a route runner than anything. Um, so it's it gives them an alternative dimension. So I'm not surprised they're using them more. So I'm just hope. I mean, in, for many people, I'm hoping that that continues and that they can build that foundation ready for whether it's Trevor Lawrence, whether it's um, Fields, potentially, I suspect they're going to end up with one of those two next season. Uh, yeah, it's no longer Minshew Mania or Luton Lukewarm or Glennon and Gah. Nah. It's, it's either going to be Fields forever or Lawrence. Uh, I haven't thought of an alliterative one yet. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, yeah, Colin Johnson, I think, would be a, a sneaky DFS play because... Um, yeah. And long-term dynasty pickup if you've yeah, got a exactly. defense. He's, he's going to be cheap in your in your DFS. So uh, a sneaky one there. Tyler Eifert comes as no shock to see that he is on the injury report. He is questionable with a shoulder injury. And Tyler Eifert, he's such a good player when he's healthy. Like he's he's always good for a touchdown. He's he's such a decent fantasy option, but health with Tyler Eifert throughout his entire career in Cincinnati and now in Jacksonville has always been a problem. And I'm tempted to to start him if he's fit, but we can't really guarantee that, although it is a plus matchup against the Titans. And who knows gonna who's gonna be kicking for the for the Jags this week? It's a uh, it's a roulette wheel there seemingly, and it seems to be a different one every week. But uh, I'm not too keen on whoever is kicking for them. But they pushed the Vikings all the way last week, so I think they will give the the Titans a game. And like I said, they just want to test out some pieces now to see what they've got for next year. I don't think Marone will be around next year. It could he could be coaching his last game at any point in any of these. But um, with the coaching options that are, are arising it's uh, I think teams will be forced to to make their moves uh, sooner rather than later as they look to as they look to step up for next year so that is the Titans and the Jags anything to add to that one gentlemen I think that Tannehill and Corey Davis is a great DFS stack yeah I'm playing that stack this week in a free contest so hopefully that will win me a few cents yeah, and they'll, they'll be cheap. And if you, you've got Colin Johnson on the other side, like you can really then stock up on some stud running backs at other positions. Because I do think this will be a bit of a shootout this game. I do think we'll see a lot of fantasy points yielded from it. So uh, some yeah, really nice DFS stacks in here. Anything to add, James? Just that Mike Lennon has been a sneaky, decent super flex option in some leagues, especially in leagues where... You know, most teams will carry three quarterbacks. I've been carrying him as the third, well, whoever's been Jacksonville's quarterback through the season, I've been carrying as the third quarterback. And Glennon's actually done better for me than like Drew Locke amongst others. So, which is going to be a segue into what's coming. Well, take it away then, James. Because <laughs> the second game I'm going to talk about, hopefully slightly more briefly, is um, the Carolina Panthers at the Denver Broncos, which in the NFL scheme of things, is more or less a battle for um, position in the draft. Um, both on four and eight records, not looking like they're going to be threatening anytime soon. Um, but I would sort of, I sort of feel like it's one team that you feel like there is there's some life, and one team where you think, okay, what's going on? And I'll start with the what on earth's going on team, which is Denver, because. Um, 
yeah, Drew, Drew Locke was one of those players who I thought was a really good super flex QB at the start of the season. And he has been disappointing to another degree. I mean, looking at stats throughout the season, he's broken the 20 point barrier once and he's only broken past um, 15 fantasy points twice and they were consecutive weeks. And that was the Chargers and the Falcons who, let's be honest, hemorrhage points to quarterbacks. Uh, so he's just been thoroughly disappointing and it just really stunts the, you know, ability of all the other teams. Obviously we had the week, the, uh, you know, the fast a few weeks ago where the whole quarterback room went on IR and uh, sorry, COVID list um, due to not wearing masks and just plain ignoring protocol. But in many respects, it probably didn't matter because of how bad luck had been playing anyway. Uh, and I'm not necessarily sure that Brett Riffian or Blake Bortles would have necessarily helped the situation along either. So they're going to be in the question mark of, do we have to give up on the lock experiment already? Uh, which I wasn't expecting. Uh, and this game isn't one that I'd want to even you know, be contemplating with him either, to be honest. I mean, the Panthers aren't exactly, you know, they're not premier against quarterbacks by any stretch of the imagination, but I wouldn't feel threatened if I'm coming up against Drew Lock. Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick, uh, and even Noah Fant, who's only just starting to you know reemerge from injury, but he's just had such a disrupted season, and you know he's at best going to get you eight points. He had a really good start, and everyone was picking him up, thinking oh, this is fantastic. And two fifteen-point games, and suddenly he barely hits seven. So it's. Tough sledding there. And even the running backs, Marvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay, apart from sort of cannibalizing each other in many respects, um, it just that whole offense isn't working. And it's hard to feel like you want to play any of them. It makes it, it's, I know it's weird me picking them as a team to potentially talk about, but it's just that, you know, you have all these assets and you're struggling to play them. A few people will have Jerry Judy on their benches and be thinking, do I plug him in, in this week? And so my answer is no, don't. I just, you know, that offense, I don't think you can even fit any of the pieces. Even Melvin Gordon, I think, is a bench possibility this week. The only issue is the Carolina defense isn't strong against the run, but they've been getting better. I think the one player that on the Denver side of the ball that I would consider is Tim Patrick. You look at his points scored in the last, okay, he's put up one goose, but that was in that weird game. Uh, 16.4 points in half point, 14.4, 8.1, 10.9. He's out of the games, 12.1, 20.3, 12.3. 3. So, and especially with Drew Locke throwing quite deep, he's yeah. got this knack of throwing quite long. So, and Tim Patrick seems to be the guy who's catching those kind of passes. So I think he's a sneaky guy to put in just for this week. That you yeah, wouldn't have considered previously. When you look, when you look into the stats, yeah, with the deep, deeper targets, Tim Patrick has been the one beneficiary from everything. But you do have to look into that rush as well. They, they really do miss Colton Sutton, I think, and you, I think it's hard to underestimate just how much they've missed him. I mean, obviously they've got other problems, but I think he would have at least made their offense a bit more balanced and would have given them, you know a much better wide receiver core and much better options. And uh, I think the playbook would have opened up. I think that just, you know, left their hands tied behind their back early on because of how early that happened. Speaking of hands tied behind the back, that goes on to anybody who is a Christian McCaffrey owner. 
because <laughs> he's going to be out yet again. Um, he's currently listed as doubtful, which means you can't even put him on your IR. Come on, sort it out, Sleeper, and everybody else, please. We know he's not going to play. Could you just let us put him on IR? I need I need replacements quick. Um, so, yeah, you, you hold on to him all season to go into your fantasy playoffs, and suddenly he's still not ready, nursing multiple injuries. So if you still have Mike Davis, and I hope if you did pick him up as the uh, backup, you didn't then suddenly drop him, because uh, this was always a possibility. But Mike Davis comes in, he will get basically back to Mike Davis of what he was with McCaffrey out. Um, obviously, he hasn't had got the momentum from those games where you know McCaffrey was missing early on in the season. So all those double-digit games that went on in a row between weeks two and six aren't quite there, but... Um, I'm sort of envisaging this game going very similar to the Detroit matchup in week 11, where he got 15 fantasy points. I can sort of see it being a very similar setup, even though I know Detroit's a lot weaker against the run than Denver are, but Denver aren't exactly spectacular either. And just the way that offense works, you need the running back that can do multiple things. And Davis does fill in the gap reasonably nicely. So I wouldn't expect that to be particularly wrong. Um, in terms of the passing attack, uh, DJ Moore's definitely been ruled out this week now. So um, it's an ankle injury. So he's staying on the reserve COVID list. But obviously, I think it is a COVID-related issue. But he's got the ankle as well. So they didn't want to rush him back off of there. So Robbie Anderson is going to be a main feature again. Obviously, early on in the season, he was the absolute darling. And last week against Minnesota, 17.4, he was looking back to you know what we remember from the early weeks where he was putting up double digits every week and looking like you know a top 10 guy you know a wide receiver one for the season sort of dropped off a little bit certainly the last few weeks but he should get a pretty premier role this week um Curtis Samuel has come off IR and he is a um sorry the COVID IR list uh so he's going to be a sneaky option as well potentially um with you know just before he went onto the COVID list, we've had, you know, we've been talking about how he'd been flashing, getting some work in the running game, in the passing game, and just becoming a bit of a, shall we say, a Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk type player and being used as a bit of a gadget play as well as, as a wide receiver. And I think that might continue. He's certainly been getting the points up of late. And in many ways, the bye week fell lucky for him because he managed to go on the COVID list and miss no time. So uh, congratulations to him for the I've managed to not be annoying award. So all of this means that Teddy B is actually quite a decent player this week, I think. Um, he's still got two major weapons. He's still, you know, you're not going to be giving the ball to McCaffrey, you know, 50%, 60% of the time. So he's still very much a viable asset. Um, he's not had the greatest of times in the recent, uh, recently, but I think this is a good game for him. Um, and the last thing of note would be the Panthers defense because of how, you know, basically how I've been saying Detroit, uh, Detroit, Denver have been terrible on offense. Um, the Panthers DST has been improving over recent weeks and playing against what is essentially the second or third worst team in terms of offense. Uh, yeah, this is, this is a match that I fancy as a stream and I'm, thinking they are quite cheap on DraftKings, if I remember. This could be one that's, you know, a low price option that will get you, you know, a pretty decent rack of points. 
I don't necessarily see them as a, you know, going ham for 2025, but I can certainly see them, you know, getting into the double digits potentially. They've had two really good weeks in the last two weeks against Detroit and Minnesota, and I can see this being a hat trick. Have you been reading the NFL hype train, James? Yeah, I, um, I wrote about the... Well, <laughs> Yeah, there I wrote about the Carolina defense earlier on in the week on the the hype train article because um, they, they've been sneaky good. They've been um, over the last over the last few weeks, and it's it's a great matchup for them. Uh, Drew Locke, even though he is the quarterback and he is he is back in the fray, he's he's definitely got a, a pick or two in him. So I'm I'm I'm. I'm liking, really, really liking the Carolina Panthers this week. And I, I'm just trying to very quick, I'm trying to store so I can open up the, the Hype Train article so I can uh, I can talk about the stats. <laughs> to to I, be honest, I haven't got there because I'm trying to not remind myself of work. So railways is something that I've been trying to dodge recently. <laughs> okay. uh, I, was, I couldn't cope with another train pun. I needed a few weeks off. <laughs> yeah, so in weeks 10 through 13, they're actually the DST6. And that includes them having a buy in that time, time scale. So if you take their buy out of the equation and just look at the points per game in that in that time, they are the DST2, only behind the Saints, I want to say. So um, really, yeah, really from their matchup. recent sort of games, they're very if they're ma- if the matchup is good, they seem to be very good. If the matchup is bad, they are very bad. Oh yeah, I'm not saying they're in every week start by, by yeah. any stretch, but uh, yeah, against the Broncos, uh, Drew Lock's got a pick or two in the locker, and I can't imagine this team putting up too many points. So pick the lock. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> and we move very swiftly on to to Adel. Who have you got as your second game? My second game for the week is my Indianapolis Colts at the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, so Philip Rivers is going back to play against his former divisional rival, a, a team that he has played a lot against, and um, it's going to be a really interesting game, I think, just from a from a general point of view because of how how both the teams are looking towards getting into the playoffs or getting into the playoffs or staying in playoff positions. So that's going to be really interesting. Injury for in on the injury front, Colts um, tight end. Jack Doyle has not practiced. Um, Anthony Costanzo, the tackle is limited, and that's really important for the blocking on the O-line from a passing and a rushing uh, point of view. And Bobby Okarik, the linebacker, who's missed the last two games, is a really, really important player in defense. He's limited, so if he comes back, that'll have an impact on Vegas's capabilities of being able to move the ball even more because he's just such a focal point within the, the defensive point of view. Um, Josh Jacobs, he was limited in practice on Thursday. Um, keep an eye out on the FTMY injury report as to whether he is a go for Sunday. If he is healthy, you're going to be starting him, but just keep your eyes peeled. So quarterbacks, Philip Rivers, in the last three games, he's averaged 1947 points per game which is really a surprise to many because people thought he was a little bit washed up 290 yards per game at least two touchdowns per game vegas defense is 24th for passing yards 
I see him just being outside the top 12, so because there's not that big upside to his game. The max points that he's given in a game this season, 24.74. He hasn't had a four-touchdown game at all this season, probably just due to the rushing attack. Um, $5,900 in drafting, so he may be a, a cheap start there. Uh, Derek Carr, I'm saying he's going to be a sit for the week. Despite his good performance last week, he's coming up against the Colts defense, and he's not a quarterback he's, who is matchup proof. He has the potential to put up a similar stat line that he did against Denver, where he only got about seven points in fantasy. Colts D is eighth in passing yards, and with players like Okarik maybe coming back, the D could well put up a much better performance than they did against the much better quarterback that the Texans had last week. Running back, Jonathan Taylor, for me, is a must-start this week. He is going to get double-digit touches from a rushing point of view. And last week, how much did Vegas give up to the Jets rushing the ball? Quiz question. Ty Johnson had 107 rushing yards and there was a few others on the ground as well so i'm going to say about 115 to 120 rushing yards total including the quarterback 200 rushing yards plus whoa yes and you know how heavy the rushing the colts tend to do i think jonathan taylor is gonna be pretty good this week he's been an rb1 twice this season and i think he gets back into that rb1 category again for this week he's going to get two to four targets and in the last three weeks he's got a hundred percent catch rate and each of those targets go for around 10 yards a catch so ppr you're going to get that little bit of upside as well naheem nice. hines r- rushing efficiency hasn't been there the last three games last three games 22 attempts for 41 yards but he always is featured in the passing game ppr upside is going to be there nine to 12 points in half point Probably low RB2, upside RB3, if the Colts are going to be forced to throw the ball a little bit more, dumping off to the running backs, or just he's using the passing game running routes. I would consider him a flex at best. Um, If Josh Jacobs is not playing, because we really don't know at the moment, don't start Devontae Booker. He was a trap play last week. I I, I was caught in the trap myself. I played him in a couple of leagues and even though he had like 16 rushes or something like that, 3.1 yards of carry didn't really do much when you compare him and Colts is really good on defense. So don't bother. Wide receivers, T. Will Hilton, I think it's difficult to trust this week. He had a, a season high 11 targets last week. I would consider him a flex. Make sure just do your best to try and get through this week because he's got the Texans again next week and he loves playing against them. I think it's 97 yards per game against the Texans over his career. So maybe don't play him this week and then get through and play him next. Um, I, I wouldn't consider, consider anybody else in the Colts from a wide receiver point of view a start because they just spread the ball out too much. And with Ruggs and Aguilar for um, Las Vegas, I think the defense is too strong for them. You just don't know where, who, which one of the two is going to get a large game. So I won't be starting either this week. Tight end, Darren Waller, start him. 
he's the only tight end in the game that you're really going to want to be starting. And Indy, for a defense, I don't, th- even though they don't give a lot of points away, you know, from a normal game point of view, the lack of sacking upside is just not, is there. They don't sack as many, as much as some of the, the marquee defenses in the league. And the Vegas O-line is 10th actually for sacks in the league. So they're going to get a couple of sacks, but they're not going to get a shed load. It's been, it's been a bend, not break kind of defense at times. Yeah. And Trent Brown is, is back as well. So he, uh, he was hit by COVID and he was out for a few weeks, but he is now back for the sports to that Raiders O-line as well. So yeah, really looking forward to seeing Philip Rivers play against a former divisional rival because he will know them inside out. So yeah, definitely looking forward to that one. And I'm going to go for another AFC divisional matchup for my for my second game. And this time it's the North and it is the Ravens and the Browns. And if you'd have said to me this time last year that the Browns were favourite, the Browns are higher up in the division than the Ravens, I would have probably laughed at you. But here we are. And I, I don't want to call it a must-win game for the Ravens, but this, this AFC playoff race is really, really heating up. And the Browns and the Steelers are, are almost definitely going to get there now. It's, it's almost becoming a division race between the, the Browns and the Steelers, which I definitely wouldn't have thought would have been the case at the start of the season. But the, the Ravens, it's, it's creeping up to a must-win game. And quick trivia question for you. Who has scored the most points in 12 games on the season out of Browns and the Ravens? The Browns. Incorrect. The Ravens have scored 316 points and the Browns have scored 306 points, which has surprised me. That, 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 that really did surprise me, considering um, just how many, just how easily the, the, the Browns were able to, to put up points last week and the Ravens have seemed a little bit stagnant. That, that did surprise me. And um, points for the Ravens, sorry, the Browns have conceded nearly 100 points more than, than the Ravens. And yet their, their matchups, sorry, their standings don't, don't reflect that at all. So it's definitely an interesting game, this one. And although it's probably a, a better game than the, the Jags and the Titans that I discussed before, I don't think it will be as good from a fantasy perspective. Uh, last week, we saw Baker Mayfield take the ball by the horns and throw the football a lot against the Tennessee Titans to, to almost prove that he is capable of being that passer. I don't think he will in this matchup. I think the Browns will understand the importance of this. Well, not that they didn't think that the game against the Titans was important, but in this divisional matchup where they need to, to win to, to keep pressure on the Steelers and it almost um, guarantees their, their playoff berth, I think they will revert back to the run. So even though it is a difficult matchup against the Ravens from the, the running back perspective, uh, that the Ravens concede in the 23rd most points to the position, they will lean on Chubb and Hunt in this one. And the Baker will throw the football, but I'm not too too keen on starting him again this week. I think a lot of people will fall into the trap of the fact that he scored a lot of fantasy points last weekend and they'll go for a repeat again this weekend. I don't think it'll be the same kind of game. I think Baker will fade into the background a little bit more. At the wide receiver position, I'm starting Jarvis Landry at a push in, in PPR leagues, but... I'm not really looking at anybody else there. Obviously, you've got Rashad Higgins, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Kaderil Hodge, who's, who's actually questionable heading into this one. I'm not considering any of those heading into this one. It's just too unpredictable. And then at the tight end position as well, Austin Hooper seems to be the, the one that you'd automatically start. But 
again, it's it's not the best of matchups. And you've got Bryant and Ijoki there as well, who are capable of of, of getting those those targets and the, the receptions. So to be honest, it is only Chubb and Hunt that I am starting from the Cleveland perspective, which is surprising considering the performance that Cleveland did put up last week. And then for Baltimore, Lamar Jackson will be back. So the Ravens have been ravaged by COVID-19 over the last few weeks. So you've got players like Sneed, Andrews, Jackson, uh, Des Bryant, an interesting one. He seemingly retired, but um, whether that's just him spitting his, his dummy out or throwing his toys at the pram remains to be seen. But Des Bryant was randomly tested for, for coronavirus just minutes before the, the game against the, the Cowboys, a game, of course, that he was so keen on playing him, playing him being an ex-Cowboy himself, and he tested positive and was um, obviously ruled out for the game. He has since uh, tested negative twice, uh, which has only added fuel to the fire, but whether he is still a, technically a Raven remains to be seen. But Lamar Jackson will be back. However good uh, Trace was was last week against the Cowboys, he will not be starting in, in this one. Um, Lamar Jackson will be coming for his job back. And yeah, I'm starting him. He's going to have, he's going to, he's always got his rushing upside as Lamar Jackson. We, we saw that um, last time out for him uh, with, his, with his big long touchdown. And at the running back position, J.K. Dobbins still vying for that running back one position. He's, he's, he's clearly the best running back there. But I think what epitomized for me the, the, the Baltimore game was it just seemed to be three and out, three and out, three and out in the game last week. And there was, there was a, a down. There was a, a, a series of three plays where each time there was a different running back in the position, and I, I don't believe that you can get running back momentum if they are changing running backs at regular. How can a running back get in a groove, get a feel for the game if they are being switched out after one play? It's it, it's not good running back rotation there, and I just hope that they do something similar to what Los Angeles have done with with Cam Akers and just give J.K. Dobbins a football and let him have this. But Cleveland, not great for the for the fantasy running back. They are giving up the 25th most points in half PPR leagues. So I'm almost tempted to start none of them in this one. But Cleveland do give up a lot of points to the tight end and the fantasy wide receiver. So Marquise Hollywood-Brown, I am firing up. He seems to be getting his groove a little bit of late. So, yeah, he's, he's got plenty of opportunity to go here. Maybe Willie Sneed, but he's only just come back from, from the COVID list. So... It's it, that is a dart throw at, at the very most, but Cleveland giving up the third most points to the fancy tight end. Mark Andrews, I believe, will be back. They've just activated him from the COVID IR, so let's go, Mark Andrews. And uh, that's it. Special teams, the defense, and the, the DSTs and the kickers. Um, I'm not fancying anything apart from Tucker. Obviously, you're starting Tucker every single week that you've got him. Although he did miss his, his, his he broke his streak and missed the, the 36 yarder, which was quite ironic because they, they got moved back five yards and um, he broke the streak of inside 40, 40 yards. But uh, obviously, you're still starting Justin Tucker in every game that you have got. And from an injury perspective, there's, there's not too much to talk about here. So, yeah, the Ravens have, have just brought a load of, of guys back from the, the COVID IR. Uh, Canaro Hodges is suffering from a hamstring injury, but um, from the, the skill positions there, not too much to talk about. James, Adil, anything to add to this one? Um, looking at the injuries, Calais Campbell, um, he hasn't practised this week. So from a run-stopping point of view, that, yeah. he, he, looked, he looked really limp in the last game when he was on the field. He didn't look in his normal self. 
um, that'll have an impact. Marcus Peters did not practice yesterday. Didn't have it hasn't been updated for today. Uh, that'll have an impact on the passing game for the Browns. Um, and I believe Denzel Ward hasn't practiced again this week so far. So it, it, it could be a, um, a better fantasy yielder than I uh, first anticipate. But yes, yeah, certainly Peters and Campbell are certainly big ones for, for the Ravens and even more reason to, to be starting Chubb and Hunt in this one. James, anything to add? No, I think you got it. Perfect. Then let's close out the show. So, James, where can we find you on the old Twitter? Yeah, my handle's not changed. It's still at NFL Hype Train, but we are currently still in the station awaiting for, uh, shall we say, clearer lines to be able to proceed. <laughs> so when the green signal hits, I'm sure you'll be able to read and see about it, hopefully before the fantasy playoffs end. Oh, um, you've, 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 be... you've missed these train puns, James, I can tell. Uh, yes, I have, but I've not had any time mentally to be able to think of them. But, uh, you know, I still I still vainly hope that at some point before the end of the season, I will be able to get in Michael Thomas the Tank Engine as a pun at some, in some article, or at least did a tweet. Um, oh, you know. Anyway, toot toot. <laughs> a toot toot indeed. And Adil, where can we find you? I can be found at Dilly Toon, D-I-L-L-Y-T-O-O-N. And good luck to everybody in your fantasy matchups this week. And hopefully we'll uh, be seeing you uh, progressing through to the next round. Yeah, exactly. Um, well done to those of you that did get the, the first round by. Um, just keep an eye on your leagues, see who's doing well, see what's going on. Obviously, uh, all of this information is still key if you've got those, those first round buys. But yeah, like Adil says, Good luck to everyone playing in the fantasy matchups this weekend. So that has been another episode. Make sure you head over to at F10Y Fantasy, where we have got all of the information that you need to win your matchup starts, sits. And if you're out of the playoffs, of course, there is DFS now. So head over because we will have DFS content as well. Injuries, et cetera, et cetera. And it's not just the fantasy that we do here at the Full 10 Yards. Make sure you head over to www.full10yards.com, where we have got your college, your betting, your general NFL, your fantasy and your Britball when we do have the season so make sure you subscribe give us some feedback give us a rating on your podcasts we really really do appreciate it and we will see you on monday you've been listening to the full 10 yards fantasy podcast you can find us on Twitter at F10Y Fantasy and over on our website, www.full10yards.com, where we cater to all of your American football needs from NFL General, fantasy football, college football, and even Britball. Thanks for listening, and remember, folks, keep those eyes peeled. <laughs>